Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. He is Jay Morrison. Jay, we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to go over the coaching news in Bengals land. We've had some new coaches added to this coaching roster. And then we're going to do an offensive free agent preview. Free agency is just around the corner. It's like three weeks away, Jay. We've got the franchise tag deadline, like open window coming up and the deadline right after that. And then free agency. So we want to get into who the Bengals could sign. They've got a lot of cap space. They've, they've got a lot of moves they can make. So we're going to do the offense next week. We'll get into the defense next week and just kind of look at who outside the Bengals uh, roster, who they could add to this to this lineup going forward. To finish up, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. I was at the Super Bowl this past week. It was a, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience for me, life-changing experience. Probably hard for some Bengals fans to watch Patrick Mahomes out there win another Super Bowl and make it uh, many dynasty and maybe going for a three-peat next year. We will get into that and, and how the Bengals can maybe defeat Patrick Mahomes at some point down the line. But first, Jay, let's talk about this coaching news. We've got five coaches in the, in the past week or so added into new roles. We've got Brad Cragthorpe, who was promoted from assistant coach to quarterback coach, taking over for Dan Pitcher, who went to offensive coordinator. Freddie Knighton, who was an offensive assistant, was promoted up to assistant quarterbacks coach. Uh, Justin Riscati, an interesting new addition as passing game coordinator, comes over um, from the Vikings. He was the offensive assistant offensive line mm-hmm. coach. Jordan Kovacs on defense, promoted from assistant linebackers coach to safeties coach, replacing Robert Livingston. And then Jordan Salkin, a University of Oregon uh, offensive analyst, is an offensive assistant coach. I know I just rattled off a ton of names there, Jay. And so, we, it, you know, it's a lot of new guys and new faces and, and guys who have been here in new places. Any kind of takeaways from, from these kind of new additions? It's it's just interesting. I think that they're getting new voices in the room. I don't know if, if it says anything about what changes the Bengals are going to make, but it, but it is interesting that we have some new voices on the staff. Yeah, new voices and a new position. The, the passing game coordinator position is a new one for Justin Riscotti. Um, and, and if – if they fill the assistant linebackers coach job that Kovacs left, they will have the biggest coaching staff in franchise history. They've already, I mean, they've had it every year since Zach's been here. That was one of the big changes where he lobbied for some more positions. Mike Brown in the front office agreed. They boosted up the coaching staff and um, it's, it's kind of what we've seen in the past. They really do kind of lean into that continuity aspect and the promotion and they hire these young, bright guys. I, I, I know they, it's there's not a real connection with Jordan Salkin, but I think they just they view him as someone really bright with a, a, a good future. So get him in on the ground level, let him work his way up. I don't think Dan Pitcher is going to be here long as the offense coordinator. So the more guys you can get uh, in the pipeline below them and kind of keep that continuity running is a is a good thing. And it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. You know, I don't know who would be the passing game coordinator in the past if it was something that that Brian just kind of took on. Um, and they just didn't put a title on it. Um, but now with him gone to Tennessee and, um, they, they officially create this position and bring Justin in. So, um, I I think it's, it's a good mix of new voices, like you said, but then also of the continuity and promotion for guys that have been here for a while and have earned these spots. Yeah, it's a good point. What you said about Dan Pitcher. It's like, I mean, look at all the interest he got just as an, as an offensive coordinator candidate this year. And if, the Bengals have a really good offensive season this year, as, as you know, we we have no reason to doubt that they won't. He'll absolutely be on the head coaching circuit mm-hmm. next year, and that, that's a really good point, I think, is you want to have this stable of coaches. We talked about it when when Pitcher was interviewing, when Callahan was interviewing, that 
it's good to have a staff where you have a lot of guys getting promoted and getting interest. Sure, it's going to make things hard down the line when you start losing these talented guys, but you'd rather have that than a staff that is totally stagnant and that guys are not wanting to look for and strive for those higher jobs and get new experiences. So I think it's great. And the idea of adding these new voices, I don't think it's going to all of a sudden change what the Bengals are doing on offense because they hire an offensive analyst, but it's always good to identify new kind of new ideas that are out there, whether it's from college football. We, we've talked, seen Andy Reid talk about searching down to the high school level for new offensive ideas, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Bengals are always willing to explore those new ideas. We'll just have to see kind of how they implement them. That's we, They've been wanting to change things in season, off season. That's not a concern. So the, willing, the idea that they're willing to even explore these ideas, I don't think is that surprising. Um, let's go ahead and talk about these, about free agency, Jay. So it's, like I said, it's about three weeks until free agency opens. I just wrote our top 100 free agents list for PFN this week. Uh, please go read that. It's got all the all the best free agents who are going to hit the market. I believe, Jay, there I put five Bengals on there, I want to say. You did, um, yes. On the top 100. Um, so the Bengals have about $60 million in cap space going into next season, which is top five in the NFL. Um, we, we think... 20, 21, 22 million of that's going to be going to T. Higgins on the franchise tag. We're assuming that. We know the Bengals are always going to keep a little extra in reserves for draft picks and injuries and stuff that comes up down in, later in the season. We, we know that. But they should have money to spend. Um, so today we're going to talk about the offense, Jay, and just go by position by position and see who are some of the free agents out there on the open market next month who could be a fit here. So let's Let's just start at quarterback, which I think is probably the easiest position of all of all these of where the Bengals are going to go. Um, obviously, they have Joe Burrow as a starter. Jake Browning is locked in as the backup after his really, I'd say, excellent performance down the stretch. AJ McCarron was just released by the Bengals uh, today, so he is no longer on, on this roster. Jay, is this do you think the Bengals would are they going to sign somebody like a free agent or is this? They're just thinking maybe a, a developmental draft pick. What are you thinking at quarterback? Is this an area they're even going to think about this offseason? Yeah, not this offseason. I don't I wouldn't think unless, you know, you're talking draft, maybe a, a late round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they didn't do it last year and they had questions about Simeon and Browning. I, they've got an extra draft pick this, or two extra draft picks than what they had last year. But I think more than likely it's a either a street guy, a street veteran right before camp or they they sign someone in uh undrafted free agency right after the draft but mm-hmm. um, i can't imagine them spending money here coming up when the when the new league year starts to to go find a, a third string quarterback i mean browning was more than they ever could have expected yeah full expectations are that joe burrow is going to be 100 percent. it's it, that is that is position group 11 out of 11 of their concerns right now yeah and i think like you want Jake Browning to get as many reps during training camp in the preseason as he possibly can like he already got all the valuable in-game reps, but why not get him even more? Right. I think there were two guys that stood out to me as potential free agents who, like you said, th- this was not going to be guaranteed money or anything like that. Like maybe as camp approaches, Brandon Allen is a free agent. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been here in the past. He he didn't really get to play at all on San Francisco. He He's probably going to come look for a, a non-guaranteed deal. He's a guy that knows the system. Maybe he's an option. One other guy is John Wolford, who used to play for the Rams for a long time. He knows the McVay offense. He was in Tampa Bay this this past season playing in a, in a similar offensive structure. A guy that should be able to come in and like play this offense if they needed an arm. Those are just like two guys I think that could fit if they needed a guy who could literally just stand there and throw a ball. But I don't think they'll really be like part of the, of the team going forward. Um, running back, I think, is way more interesting. 
Yes. So Joe Mixon, we, we don't know what's going to happen with him. I think you and I are both of the uh, kind of on the same page that he's unlikely to be part of this team next year. I mean, yeah. his, his cap hit is what's his cap hit? Eight point five million dollars. They can save five point seven five by by cutting him. I don't see him taking another pay cut. I, I just think they'll move on. Uh, Travion Williams also a free agent, so that leaves Chase Brown and Chris Evans here on the roster. Interesting running back market, Jay. A lot of a lot of guys available. You got Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, all of whom were franchised last year. Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift. I don't see any of those guys being fits with the Bengals. I just really don't. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the Bengals are looking at Chase Brown to be, if not their one A, then at least their one B, or at least part of a you know thunder and lightning kind of combination backfield. I don't see the Bengals spending that type of money on a running back. There are other guys, I think, a little down the line, a little further down, down the line, that could be a fit. But what about you, Jay? Do you, I mean, do you, I don't see them Bengals going out and signing one of these high-profile guys. Do you disagree? No, I, I agree with you. I, I do think they'll find a way to bring Travion back. I, I think they they like him. He's been here forever, um, yeah. so and he's not going to cost a lot. I can't imagine he's going to get a lot of looks elsewhere. Um, Chris Evans, I think, might be done here. He's yeah. just never been what they wanted. The interesting thing is, I keep seeing Josh Jacobs. Uh, it's, <laughs> people, Bengals fans want him to go get him. It is insane. That is his market value on spot rack four years, 40 million. I mean, that's what they gave Mixon at age 23, four, four years, 48 million. Mixon had 693 carries at that time. Josh Jacobs has 1,305 carries right now. He's 26. Mixon's only 27. They're the same guy that, Jacobs averaged 3.5 yards per carry this year. Not explosive at all. That's that's what they're looking for is explosion. Yeah. Um, Jacobs had 233 carries this year. He had nine carries for 10 yards or more. There was only a couple guys that had at least 100 carries that had that few of explosive. It's just it makes no sense whatsoever yeah. financially, production-wise. So anybody that's out there touting for the Josh Jacobs signing, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not happening, and it, it makes no sense. Um, I think – that the the one you circle and highlighter is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I just he's he's almost 25, so he's still young. He's only got 441 carries on his body. He played with Joe Burrow at LSU. There's that connection there. He's it's not really a, a contrast with Chase mm-hmm. Brown, but just having two guys back there that can do it. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire has played a lot of third downs in this league. And he he may not be the best blocking back in in the league, but he's familiar with it. He knows how to pick up blitz, pick, pick up blitzes, pick up pressure. Even though Mahomes doesn't get blitzed a lot, mm-hmm. I just I think he he would be the ideal one. He's not going to cost a lot. And last year he averaged eleven point one yards per reception. That is the most out of all running backs last year. And you know number six on that list was old friend Samaj P. Ryan. <laughs> He's another. He's not technically a free agent, but if the if the Broncos move on for him, salary cut wise, he could be a guy that the Bengals go after in free agency as well. Um, but I just I think of all the guys out there, I like I like the Cam Akers. You know, bring him in. He's still just twenty four. He doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his body. Only three hundred ninety eight career attempts. Just bringing in a, a, a veteran like that that you can ride for a year or two, and then kind of keep replenishing that position through the draft. Um, but I, I, I think 
I thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was going to be a possibility last year. I, he mm-hmm. felt like he might be a cap cut with the way Pacheco came on and they had Jarrett McKinnon and Kansas City held on to him for an, one more year. But now he's a true free agent and I, I would not be surprised at all to see the Bengals go get him. He was definitely on my list. I mean, I think they he, they have to consider him. Just the yeah. relationship with Burrow, I think it's a, it's a no doubter. And like you said, he'll be cheap. I, I can't imagine yeah. how much of a market. I had some other guys on my list. Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one out there. I don't think it's gonna happen. But like Derrick Henry, could it could it possibly be a fit? I don't know. On a short term deal, two years maybe. I think he could be a good mm-hmm. contrast with Chase Brown. I don't think it's gonna happen. No. Here, here's the one that I really think would be a good fit though. In, in addition to Ceh, Zach Moss from the Colts. Mm-hmm. I think Zach Moss did a really good job when Jonathan Taylor was hurt. If you look at the metrics, like uh, yards after contact, he was top five during the time that Jonathan Taylor was out with his contract and and injury situation. I think he has been really good, and he's a good pass blocker. He's shown he can be a good pass catcher. Shouldn't be that expensive, I don't think, especially given all these other options. I think he'd be relatively cheap. Um, a couple other guys, I, I thought Deontay Foreman, who has just been like kind of a bulldozer wherever he's gone. I think he could be a good compliment to Chase Brown. Rico Dowdle, who didn't get a lot of run behind Tony yes. Pollard last year, but he's been a good kind of bruising back for the Cowboys over the years. I think you got to mention Ezekiel Elliott just because he was just a little bit kind of tied to the Bengals last year. Maybe that was just him tying himself to yeah, a potential Bengals edition. But I, I don't know. I think as a, as a short yardage back, he could be interesting. And the last one I'll throw out purely as a speculative one-year prove-it deal type of ad is J.K. Dobbins. This guy has been highly effective when he can stay on the field. Now, that's a that's huge it. qualifier yes. because he's missed so many games over his career. I mean, he cannot stay healthy at all. I can't imagine he's going to get any guaranteed money this offseason. If he wants to stay in the division, if he wants to come play on a team that's going to be competitive, I, I think that could be a possibility. I, I, I wouldn't have anything banking on J.K. Dobbins staying healthy or anything like that, but as a pure upside play, I, I think the Bengals could be interested. Yeah, I I agree. I And they love their Buckeyes. Um, yeah. But uh, I had two other ones on the list. Antonio Gibson, possibly mm-hmm. a one-year, three or four million. He's only he's going to be 26 in June, so he doesn't yeah. have a lot. And then I, I was a big, huge fan of Devin Singletary when he came out. The Bills yeah. just never used him, and he had a pretty good year this, with, with, this year with Houston. He's not a great pass blocker. He is he is explosive, but he didn't get a lot of carries, but he did have a lot of explosive runs. Um, so a lot of it's just going to come down to the fit, you know, finance wise. And, and I do the Derrick Henry one that I just I think they're going to be really leery of anybody up in that age range. Yeah, I, I think they're going to sure. gonna look younger. The running backs just fall off the cliff so much faster than everybody else. I agree. It's I, I'm not saying they should do it or even yeah. want to do it, but I, I th- like the idea of it is interesting. The only other name I had was and I, I don't actually think this guy is very good, but like AJ Dillon from the Packers, kind of kind of like a, a pounder, a bruiser. I, I just I'm not sure that he's actually a very good football player, but maybe as a compliment to Chase Brown could be interesting. I think they'll be able to find somebody who's affordable because look at all the names we just mentioned. I mean, there, there aren't that many open running back spots around the NFL. We've seen how these past few off seasons have not been kind to free agent running backs. Mm-hmm. I, I think at least one, two, three of these guys are going to have to take like a one year, two or $3 million deal. I really do. And that that's going to be right within the Bengals price range. So I would be very surprised if they don't add like one of the guys we just mentioned. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, wide receiver. So we talked about T. Higgins. We think that he is going to be franchised. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that at this point. Tyler Boyd's a free agent. Trenton Irwin is a free agent. 
So that leaves Jamar Chase, Yoshivas, and Charlie Jones on the roster. I this is an interesting one to me. I, I if if you've got T. Higgins and you've got Jamar Chase, you've got you know one of the best starting points from wide receiver in the entire NFL. So I don't know. Do you are you relying on those younger guys that you drafted last year to take another role to take another step forward and get a bigger role? Are you drafting more guys in this upcoming draft? Are you trying to sign a free agent to maybe replace a Tyler Boyd in the slot? I don't know. I feel I feel like this this section of the roster is is a little bit more wide open than might, most people might think. I mean, I think it makes all the sense in the world to bring Ti back. Um, he he can play inside. He can play outside. I think Yoshivas. He didn't play maybe as much as we thought he would last year, but he was really starting to come on. I, I think you know he could easily be your three next year. Um, on the outside, I'm not, I'm not so sure about Charlie Jones. I, I'm not that I'm down on him. We just didn't see enough of him. He had that yeah. thumb injury in week three. He didn't come back till later, and they just never really used him much in the passing game. Um, so that's that's why they drafted him. It was to be the heir apparent to to Tyler Boyd. But I still think if if they're gonna get a guy in free agency, and I'm not sure they will, because I, I fully even knowing that Higgins is going to be, I still think they're, they draft someone, you mm-hmm. know, maybe not as early as, as they did with T that first pick in the second round, but there, there's talent to be had out there. And, and they, oh, yeah. they, they've shown, I mean, Troy Walters, terrific wide receivers coach, they can develop guys. Um, but I do, I think if, if they do do anything in free agency, I think it'll be a slot receiver and, and someone just to kind of hedge that bet on Charlie Jones. Like they, they like him, they're high on him, but you still don't know. He was fourth round yeah. pick last year with no real track record. So I think if they if they do dip into the free agent waters, that's where it would probably be is someone that could can be a slot receiver and share time or kind of help bring Charlie along. You got an a you have a good name? You have any good names in the free agency you think could be a fit? I do. I I like Paris Campbell. Mm, okay. um, he's coming off a down year. The market value on spot rack is one year, 3.5 million. Um, he's only one year removed from a, a season, 63 catches, 623 yards, three touchdowns. Um, that th- those numbers are almost identical to what Tyler Boyd did this year in this offense. Um, doesn't drop the ball. He's only got seven for his career, which started in 2019. I just, he's played a uh, 75% of his snaps in the slot. I just think he is a guy that kind of be, could be that one year bridge where if, if Charlie needs a little more time that that Paris Campbell could be a guy that they could they could lean on in the slot. And then one other name who's on everybody's the tip of everybody's tongue right now is Miko Hardman. I mean, he walked away from the Chiefs last year and then he came right back. It, things didn't work right. out in the Jets. Now he's got two rings. Um now he can go, you know, pursue more money or other opportunities where he's going to get more chances to play. Uh, he's played 60% of his snaps in the slot there last year. That was a career high. He, he'd been more of an outside inside kind of guy. They used him in the slot more last year than he's ever been used in there. And I just, I think if you, I think he could be had for cheap and I, I think he would be a guy that you could bring in here. And you know, it's, it's never a bad thing to pull guys off of a Super Bowl championship team. No, and I and I think how many times have we seen Hardman used on like jet sweeps and end arounds yeah. and stuff and stuff that I think that the Bengals would like to maybe add to their offense a little more that you know we've we've seen Jamar Chase do some of that stuff but we've talked about it even though he runs like a running back like he, th- those plays are not really his strength like I mm-hmm. I think we could see Hardman used on someone now Hardman did have some back breaking mistakes during the regular season too I will say so like, I'd be playoffs. concerned about in the playoffs yeah so I'd be concerned about that but. 
So my guys were like kind of in the same kind of realm. So Quez Watkins from the Eagles, he's also mm-hmm. been like a, a, a slot player. He he plays in between Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, so he'd be very comfortable, I think, playing between two more superstars and Chase and Higgins. Kind of kind of lost his role to Olamide Zacchaeus with the Eagles this year in the slot, but still a player I think the Bengals could consider. Um, Van Jefferson from the Rams and then the traded to the Falcons, someone who that who, who Zach Taylor worked with a little bit in L.A., or at least would know that would know the L.A. Rams offense, the McVay offense. Um, and then I think a couple of guys that could maybe be useful on special teams in addition to playing a wide receiver role. Devin DuVarnay from from the Ravens, who's always been a good return man and, and a good elite kind of yeah, elite and a good wide receiver four, wide receiver five type. And then a little lower profile of a name, Amir Smith-Marset, who was with mostly with the Panthers last year or this past season. Good return man in college, good decently return man in the NFL. Hasn't gotten much run as a as an actual receiver, but had a lot of fans when he was coming out in the draft. I think he could be an option. One more wide receiver option. Again, I wouldn't put this in the J.K. Dobbins realm, but like this is purely an upside play. Chase Claypool. I'm still <laughs> intrigued by the guy's measurables by his double-digit touchdown rookie season. I mean, there's a lot to like there. There's a lot to not like there, obviously, mm-hmm. too. But the speed, the size, I mean, physically, he's got everything you want. Maybe if he came to a team with the Bengals with a lot of established veterans and a good culture, maybe he could finally get his head on straight. Maybe the Bengals wouldn't really want to take a chance on that. I don't know. But I, he, he stuck out to me when I was looking at the free agent wide receivers as someone who could do something if, if he got his head on straight. Hey, two other names in the in the slot realm that are further down the list. Um, Brandon Powell from Minnesota mm, yeah. had a career year for the Vikings this year. Um, he, he's only going to cost you a million or two to stick okay. in there. Uh, he's been with four teams over six years, but the Justin Rascotti connection, he was with him. He was with Brandon in Minnesota. So he, he averaged 11.2 yards per catch last year out of the slot, which was one of the best numbers. So I like him. And then Braxton Berrios, uh, like you said, oh, a, yeah. a guy that's got return ability too. You, if if Charlie's going to be counted on more in that slot role and on offense, they're going to have to find a new punt returner. I think they're still trying to settle on a kick returner. Braxton yeah. Berrios was the number 10 punt returner in the league last year and the number 10 kickoff returner or kickoff returner. He's only 28 years old. Um, so I think those those would both be cheap options to to put in the slot, either as a starter or a backup, depending on how fast Charlie comes along. And that Minnesota connection, too, is interesting because KG Osborne's also a free agent. Now, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he might be like a little more expensive than what the Bengals want to pay. Like he, he's been a pretty decent wide receiver three during his time in Minnesota. I would think he'd get a one or two year contract, maybe at a level that the Bengals aren't comfortable paying, whereas some of these other guys that we've talked about are probably going to be closer to the league minimum. But, you know, another guy, if he if his price falls, I think Osborne could be maybe on the radar as a third option. Um, but a lot of interesting options, obviously, a wide receiver. And they're, you know, if, if T gets taken off the market, I think Michael Pittman from the Colts is probably also either going to get franchised or get extended. Mike Evans down in Tampa, same thing. I mean, it's it's how it happens every year. You look at the top of these positional groups and you think, oh, there's a lot of good guys, but the franchise tag is just going to end up wiping away this mm-hmm. entire, the entire crop. And, you know, Calvin Ridley or somebody's going to end up being the top wide receiver available. I feel like that's how it happens every year. Um, let's move on to tight end. So obviously all four of the Bengals tight ends are free agents. Tanner yeah. Hudson, Drew Sample, Mitchell Wilcox, Irv Smith Jr., all of them. So they're going to have to work through who they want to bring back at what price. Externally, 
there's not a lot out there. Jay. There's there's basically one guy who's kind of the the above all clear cut number one tight end in free agency, and then there's a lot of similar guys who you know aren't really that different from what the Bengals are already kind of running out there. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Is there anybody out there who kind of stood out to you, Jay? Who you think besides these internal options who the Bengals might be interested in? Yeah, the one the clear cut. I'm sure you're talking about Dalton Schultz. I just think yes, he's he's course. the prize. I, I mean, the Bengals showed last year how much they value the position right now. And it's it's not very high, but I I do think there's guys out. There. I I've been a Mike Gesicki fan since he was at Penn State. Yeah. Uh, being a Buckeye fan myself and just watching him just moss people right and left. He's a six six red zone weapon. He he was on a one year four point five million dollar deal last year with the Patriots. He, PFF had him as the number eight best blocking tight end in the league. He, he can do both. He can be a, ca- a pass catching weapon. He can block well. He split time with Hunter Henry. I got Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki both. I think either one of those guys yeah. would be great to, to bring in here a veteran presence. You know, Hunter Henry is his, he's just got these unbelievably ridiculous consistent numbers throughout his career. Oh, yeah. You know exactly what you're getting with that guy. There's no highs and lows. Um, last year, 42 catches, 419 yards, six touchdowns, and he was in a platoon with Kiseki. And those guys put up pretty decent numbers last year with, with Mac Jones throwing to him. Bring him in here. Let him be a part of a Joe Burrow offense. I, I think they can really produce and, and put up numbers like CJ did, like uh, Hayden Hurst did a couple years ago. Um, and I don't think either one of those guys is going to cost – whole lot of money um hunter henry made eight million last year there's i don't think the Bengals are going to play that but he is getting older maybe he's, he signs for less this year but um both of those guys i think would be good fits and then uh noah fant um yep. i just I, I think he would be another one that would would be right there he, he averaged 12.9 per catch last year only two tight ends averaged more than that and that was kittle and isaiah likely um among tight ends with at least 30 catches um he only had one drop which was third in the league behind Tucker Craft and Pat Firemuth. Those guys didn't drop any. Um, and he was 13th in blocking by PFF. So he can do both as well. And he's not a guy, he's not a guy that's going to cost you a whole lot of money. Um, he just finished a four-year $12 million deal. So that's that's three million AAV. Bring him in for one year, three million, you know, two, two for five, whatever it is. Um, I think all of those guys could really help out. I expect him to draft somebody. I expect him to bring Sample back and uh, um, and Tanner Hudson and maybe Wilcox. But I still think it would it would behoove them to do what they did last year, where make you make sure you go get a veteran somewhere, but just don't yeah. go as cheap as you do with Irv Smith and as late as you did. The free agency was basically over by the time they signed Irv Smith. Yeah, I I think I think Noah Fant is a really good option because. In Seattle, he kind of ran, ran that Rams-style offense. Shane mm-hmm. Waldron was their offensive coordinator. He came from the Rams just like Zach Taylor did. So I think it's a familiar offense for him. Former first-round pick. Colby Parkinson is another guy who was also playing in Seattle. Seattle had three tight ends they used kind of on a loop. Colby Parkinson is also a free agent. I think he could be a fit. I had the New England guys as well. I think Mike Gesicki, you know, if you're not going to re-sign Tyler Boyd, if you're not going to bring in a veteran slot receiver, Mike Gesicki could be your veteran slot receiver, honestly. That's what he did in Miami. Uh, He was very productive. He didn't really fit with the McDaniels system as much, Mm -hmm. but I think he could be a good fit here. Hunter Henry's a guy, like you said, always been more than consistent. A couple guys I had I think are a little more off the radar. Um, 
both from the Eagles. Jack Stoll, who's always been kind of a backup blocker type guy, I think he'd be very similar to like a Drew Sample if for some reason they can't re-sign Drew Sample. Mm-hmm. And then Albert O, I'm not even going to try and say his last name. <laughs> he played for the Broncos, trade to the Eagles. Yeah. Flashed earlier in his career, has kind of been sidelined since. I'd be interested in taking a flyer on him. And then if if the Bengals do want to get just a three-down veteran guy like an Uzama, like a, a Hayden Hurst, I think Gerald Everett from the Chargers could be that guy. He, he's been pretty consistent over the years playing for Seattle, and he played for the Rams, so he, he's probably familiar with this, with this offense they run in Cincinnati as well. Um, I, he played with the Chargers these past couple of years. Pretty productive guy. I think he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be too high or too low, but like Hunter Henry, you know what you're going to get for him. I think he could also be an option. Um, I don't think Dalton Schultz is an option. I, I, I think, no. you know, he had to settle for a one-year deal, one-year deal with the Texans last year after being franchised by the Cowboys the year before. Maybe there's a chance that his market like completely craters again, but I, I just don't see that given how few options there are among this, this free agent tight end class. I, I really don't. There's just... If you're looking for a starting tight end who can actually do something in the passing game, there's just not a ton of other guys who are going to do that besides Dalton Schultz. So I would be surprised if his market kind of tanks like it did last year to a point where the Bengals would even feel comfortable entering that market. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, let's move on to offensive line. So first, let's talk about right tackle, because that's <laughs> the most glaring kind of, of spot that, that the Bengals have on the offensive line. Jonah Williams is a free agent. I don't think he's going to come back. I I had him pretty high on our top 100 free agents list. I just think a guy like that who's played both sides of the line, who's a former first-round pick, who's been relatively consistent, is going to have a pretty big market. Cody Ford is a guy who could play right tackle in a pinch. He's also a free agent. So that leaves the Bengals with Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen, and Devin Cochran. Um, Jay, I I don't know about you. I I think there are some guys out there who the Bengals could consider. Like, we don't think Jonah's going to come back. I would put Mike and Wano from the Patriots in the same realm as Jonah. I had him a little bit higher on our top 100 list. Going to be out of the price range. Tyron Smith from the Cowboys has pretty much been a left tackle. He's played a little right tackle. I think it's Cowboys or bust. I don't see him coming Mm -hmm. to somewhere like Cincinnati. Makai Becton from the Jets. A lot of upside, a lot of injuries. Wants to play left tackle. I don't think he's coming here. Donovan Smith from the Chiefs, probably a left tackle. So I think you're looking at a group of guys who could play left tackle in a pinch, but who would be comfortable playing on the right. And I, I've got four guys who I think could be fits, Jay. Trent Brown from the Patriots. I, this guy I love played, it. Okay. He's played yeah. left and right tackle. There's a lot of issues here. He's been injured. He's been up and down performance-wise. He's had some off-field stuff. There's a lot going on here. I do think he'll be cheap, though. He's getting yeah. older. I, I don't think there'll be a huge market for a guy who's kind of had these inconsistencies that he's had. But if you're looking for upside, I mean, this guy has played at an all pro level at some points in his career. Like no doubt about it has been one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL at certain points in his career. If he could harness that again, Yosh Nyman from the Packers. He's a restricted free agent last year, full unrestricted free agent this, this year. He's been better at left tackle throughout his career, but he can play both sides still young, has experience and he could be a good fit. Jermaine Illuminor from the Raiders. Ben Sheep these past two years. Been pretty good at right tackle, especially as a run blocker. I, you could do worse than Jermaine Illuminor if you want to find a low-cost option. Last guy, I've mentioned it before, George Fant. Played for the Texans last year. Played for a lot of teams in the NFL. Has played left and right. Cost the Texans $3 million and gave them, I would say, above-average right tackle play on a playoff-caliber team. I can't imagine, given his age, that he would cost much more than 
three or five million dollars to come to the Bengals. That's just a guy you can plug in. And if he doesn't get hurt, you're looking at 16, 17 games of league average performance at right tackle for a marginal price. I think you'd have to be happy with that if you're the Bengals. So th- those are my four targets I would consider if I were running the Bengals. Are George and Noah brothers the fans? <laughs> I don't, could, could they do the I fan- don't think they're related. Oh, okay. I was going to say, maybe they do they the fan- Bailey double. And, they could. But I love, I love the Trent Brown. Now, I had him on my list. Um, I mean, you, this is a, he was a seventh round pick and he's carved out yeah. a nine year career, a really good career in this league. Um, he's got a Super Bowl ring. He won one with the Patriots. I just I, I think that's the kind of guy that I still think they take a tackle in the first or second round. But you want you've already got Orlando Brown. You got Ted Karras. You got Kappa. You've got solid leaders in that room, but to have someone like directly at your position, like a Trent mm-hmm. Brown, and uh, you know, I'm not, I don't know all the details of the off the field stuff, but he's done something right to stick around this long as a seventh round pick, and I just think that would be a, a heck of a, I don't know, a heck of a mentor to have, and and yeah. even just to kind of let the the rookie come along and and not feel rushed to to even if he's a first round pick to have to get in there right away. And Trent Brown's 6'8", 370. I yeah. mean, he can, he can make Orlando Brown look small. I mean, think of, think of that two six eight bookends on that line. I just I think that would be great. Um, Illuminor, I had him on my list last year. I really thought that he would be a guy they would go get. Um, and you you said it. He the, he he stayed with the Raiders for cheap, three million a year or three million one year last year. Mm-hmm. I I think that happens again. Everything we've heard out of Vegas is how much that team loves Antonio Pierce. Um, and unless someone's going to go just pay huge money for a Luminor, I could see him coming back to the Raiders again. He, he played well again last year, and he's a guy like Trent Brown. He, he came into the league as a fifth-round pick, only started five games his first five games in for first five years in the league, and now he started 31 games the last two years. He's, it, it, it's gone on. He's gotten better as he's gotten older. Um, he, I, I think he, he's still ascending. So he's, he, And he's, he's the only – one under 30 besides Jonah on the, like the, the ones that are primarily right tackles. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think both of those guys are good fits. I would probably lean towards the Luminor uh, if they are both available. I just, I'm not sure he will be. I think the, the Raiders are not going to let him get away. And I think the last place on the offensive line is just like depth offensive line. So the, the, the yeah. other positions are, are, are kind of accounted for. But for depth purposes, we mentioned Cody Ford's going to be a free agent. Max Sharping is a free agent. So that kind of leaves Trey Hill as an interior guy. Was there anybody, Jay, who stood out to you who could maybe, you know, if injuries, we've seen injuries struck on this on this offensive line in the past. Are there guys who could maybe fill in, especially in that interior spot that you think the Bengals could target? Yeah, there are. But I think first things first, I think they bring back Ford for sure. Mm-hmm. And and maybe probably Sharping. Um, but uh, Dalton Reisner, um, again, mm-hmm. he was with Riscotti in Denver and in Minnesota. Um, 73 starts in five years, number 10 plot, uh, pass blocking grade in 2021, slipped to 19 this past year, but a guy with a lot of experience, maybe he's going to want to go somewhere where, where he knows he's going to be a starter. Yeah. That's what, that's what you worry about here with, with something like that. But I, I don't think despite his starting experience, I don't think he would be very expensive and you bring him in and who knows, maybe he beats out Cordell Bolson. And, and Volson becomes a backup, and 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 the, the offensive line is even better. Or if if nothing else, they talk about it all the time the, the competition um, 
just brings out the best in all those guys. So he just his presence could make Cordell Volson better and, and really elevate his game in training camp. Um, and then the one other guy, again, someone that just won a ring, Nick Allegretti. Um, I mean, he's been with Kansas City forever, and he's never he's been ba- primarily a backup the entire time he's been mm-hmm. there. So he's obviously okay in the backup role. Now he's got three rings. He, he's been with them since nineteen. Does he want to go somewhere and? be a guaranteed starter or would he be happy to go somewhere and just make some more money? He only made two and a half million last year. I think he's affordable, but these guys, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how many are going to want to come and, and not be viewed as a starter right off the bat. Um, and, and if you're not, if you're going and getting veterans who are just backups, that it's kind of a crapshoot there anyhow. And yeah. um, is that the best way to spend the money? Um, I, I think this is the way to go because again, that's a position. Interior O line, they don't they don't value a whole lot, and so I'm not sure how early they would target that in the draft. And um, I just I, I like Reisner a lot. I think he would be a great fit. I'd I, yeah, I'd rise my Reisner on my list as well. I I do wonder if he's going to want a starting job. I mean, he started almost the entire season mm-hmm. last year, but he didn't sign with the Vikings till what like a week or two into the season. So like the market was not there. He didn't yeah. sign until September. Maybe that happens again where there's just no market for this guy. I had Allegretti on my list as well. I mean, he played the entire second half of the Super Bowl with a torn UCL. Yes. I mean, that, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I had like my binoculars at the game. Like I was really focusing on interior offensive line play. He played pretty well. He got a lot of help on the interior against Hargrave and those guys, but I, I thought he did pretty well. He's not, you know, Joe Tooney at left tackle, obviously, right. but but for what he was asked to do, I thought he did really well. So I had three other guys besides Allegretti. Isaiah Wynn. Played for the Dolphins last year. He played for the former first-round pick of the Patriots. Can play tackle, can play guard. He he was supposed to be the starting guard in Miami this year. A lot of injury issues throughout his career, so I think that'll depress his market. Charlie Heck uh, was an offensive tackle for the Texans. He played in that Bobby Slowick offense. I think there's some similarities there with what the, with what the Bengals want to do. Younger guy. Um, I don't think he's a guy you're looking at as a starter. He'd be purely a depth piece. One guy I think that could be really good on the interior for cheap is David Edwards. He used to play for the Rams, so he knows that Rams style. He spent last year in Buffalo purely as a backup, so I think he'd be okay playing again as a backup. Spent some time at tackle, primarily a guard. I think he'd be a really solid interior depth piece. And and like you mentioned with Reisner, no 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 thought that he maybe could not beat out uh, Cordell Volson. I, I, I don't think Volson is necessarily locked into a starting job next year. I think if they don't if the Bengals don't find someone who could be an improvement, they'd be fine with him starting again. But I but I if there's an option to add some sort of potential upgrade, I, I think the Bengals will take it. I really do. I don't think that Volson is like locked into a starting job. Hey, one other guy, just for for versatility reasons, for money reasons, he only made two point three million last year. Um, he's been a starter the last three years, and he started at guard and center. It's Evan Brown from Seattle, sure. and. I know it's offense defense, but he was with the Giants in 2018. So at least Lou Anarumo has some sort of working knowledge of this guy. And he's another one that he's worked his way up to, to become a starter. He wasn't a starter early in the, his career. Um, so, you know, now that he's there, is, is he going to want to stay there? Yeah, I mean, he would be an ideal one just because of that. Because if, right now I have no confidence in Trey Hill. If anything happens to yeah. Ted Karras, they, you're probably talking about Sharping's going to be your backup center. But he's a free agent. There's no guarantee he's back anyhow. So I think Evan Brown could be an interesting piece there too. It's going to be an interesting offseason, I think. There, it's We're at this spot again where – you know, there there are some spots on the Bengals roster that need help, specifically right tackle, I think, on offense is the big one. But that's really the only 
glaring gap, I would say. You could maybe say, you know, tight end, but I but I think we're comfortable knowing that the Bengals are going to bring back some of these options and they don't necessarily value this position as well. Running back, you know, they've got Chase Brown. We think they're going to add somebody. I think right tackle is like the obvious position where if the Bengals are going to spend some some real money in free agency on offense, I, I think you'd have to say it's going to be a right tackle. Um, I think that was a good discussion. Next week we'll go over the defense where I think there are some also some obvious areas where money could be spent yes. on that side of the ball and, and some really, I would say, higher profile names that maybe the Bengals could consider on that defensive side of the ball. So we'll get into all that next week. A um, couple more things we want to talk here is Super Bowl. I was at the Super Bowl this past week, my first my first ever Super Bowl. Uh, incredible experience to see Mahomes in person just just come back. It, it, in the stadium, it never felt like a doubt, I will say. Like it never, I never <laughs> doubted that Patrick Mahomes was going to find a way to win this game. It just, I felt that way going in. So maybe I was just confirming my priors, but he just has a way. And I kind of want to talk about that, Jay. Like what, what is it going to take to beat this Chiefs team? I mean, this year we saw the Chiefs not have a wide receiver one, right? They, they've had issues on offense all season long. And yet the Chiefs defense steps up all season long and develops all these young players. And Steve Spagnolo is again, creating these excellent game plans. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes, like we said, just finds a way. When, when it's crunch time, he finds a way. It, it's got to be tough for every team around the NFL to watch this and just say, how are we ever going to break through? Especially for a team like the Bengals that has that has broken through the, this Chiefs kind of stranglehold at one point, and then the following year kind of gotten beaten back down by this same team. I mean, what are your thoughts, Jay? I mean, where... Where do where are the Bengals going to have to do? Like, is 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 it something specific in free agency or the draft, or is it just the playoffs are a crapshoot and just hope they get lucky and hope they consistently keep building these teams that get into the playoffs and hopefully one of these days they'll be able to make it all the way through. Just keep Joe Burrow healthy. I mean, he's three and one against Patrick Mahomes. It's 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 unreal. And that one loss, of course, everybody knows. Last second field goal ill-advised penalty by Osai. They didn't play that well in that game. Anyhow, they were still right there and almost won it on the road. I think that's where it starts. You got a healthy Joe Burrow. You've got a shot against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I went and I looked at the the, the first four quarterbacks drafted in 2020. And what is their record against quarterbacks who have Super Bowl rings? Hmm. So Burrow, eight and four, including the three and one against Mahomes. Tua, Two and five, Herbert five and nine, Jalen Hurts one and six. I mean, wow. Burrow can beat anybody. And you keep that guy healthy, you keep this offense, you keep Jamar Chase, you're gonna have Higgins this year. I just I don't I don't think they're that far away at all. And it kind of shows on the betting odds. They're they're right back up yeah. there. I think they were they had the fifth best. They by far the highest, the best odds of any team that didn't make the playoffs. Um I think Burrow was third for the MVP voting. And then I saw a new one that came out today. He was tied for second. I just, I, I think that's where it starts and ends. You, you keep that guy healthy. Everything else will be fine. I expect the defense to take another step. Um, I, I expect the Kansas city defense to take another step. That's a young group and it's as talented as you can want, but who knows Chris Jones leaves. I mean, you take one big piece out of that, that middle, it, it can change some things. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, it sounds crazy to say because they've won three in five years and two in a row. And I just I don't think that the Chiefs are that much above the Bengals. I, I The Bengals got work to do, obviously, but it's not like 
we've got there's there's a whole bunch of work to do to to get caught up to even and then take your chances in the playoffs I think they're pretty close to even right now yeah, and it's it, for the Chiefs. It's not just Chris Jones. Lajarius Sneed at corner is a free agent. He was he was one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL. Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil at linebacker are free agents. So it, it's they they are losing pieces as well. It's not like they're going to be able to bring back this exact same roster. On the on the other hand, you know they they could maybe go out and find a real wide receiver this offseason. So there there's work that they could do on that side too. So it it will be interesting. Jay, one other thing from the Super Bowl I had to get your take on because I know you're as into like the strategy and kind of mind games and, and game calling as I am on this stuff. So this is the first game, first NFL playoff game that we've had since the NFL changed their overtime rules to allow each team to at least have one possession. So the 49ers decided to receive the ball first in the Super Bowl. Highly debated, the highly debated topic some of the 49ers players said they weren't even aware of these new rules like until you know they showed on the scoreboard in the stadium. There's been a lot of debate on whether, okay, should you take the ball in that situation and know that if both teams match scores that you're going to be able to have that third possession in a sudden death situation? Or should you kick the ball off so that you receive the ball second and you have the informational advantage, right? You know what you have to match or what you have to exceed. And that that's kind of a more of a college overtime view of, of, of mm. the situation. I know where I stand on this. I, I do think it's very close, but I, I had to get your thoughts on this, Jay. If you were Kyle Shanahan in this situation, what would you have done? Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. I just know when they passed this rule, I asked Zach Taylor about it. I was like, hmm. "What do you think you guys would do?" And he said, "It's a great question because there's there's just no data there. You, yeah. you the analytics aren't built yet. You have nothing to compare to." I, I think anybody playing for that third possession is crazy because the only way that comes into play is if it's, if it's punt, punt or field goal, field goal, like the chief said, if, if they go second and they score a touchdown, they're going for two. You'd be insane not to go for two. If you, yeah. if you just kick an extra point tied up, then you got to get a stop and a score. Yeah. Just go it's, for two, two and I, yards, two yards to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like no question. And if I think if, if that was the position they were in, I think that game winning touchdown the Super Bowl winning touchdown, I think that would have been their two point play, um, yes. and, and they would have done something else to get the touchdown. I don't. I, I just what I what I thought about instantly was because it, it goes back to one of the most favorite games I've ever watched in my life. I said it earlier. I'm an Ohio State fan. When Ohio State beat Miami in double overtime, Miami yeah. thought they had that game won. They're throwing helmets, running on the field. Here comes the late flag for pass interference, yeah. which was the right call. No Ohio State hater is going to tell me that was not the right call. It was more holding than it was pass interference, but it was definitely a foul. The 49ers didn't know. If the 49ers had scored on that third down and got a touchdown, would they have come running off the bench, throwing helmets and celebrating? And then getting some a, of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them and then you get been. a 15-yard penalty and you're kicking off. I mean, <laughs> I just it would have been a crazy, insane scene had that happened. Um, I, I think it's a little overblown that they didn't. I mean, I didn't, I, I forgot. I won't say I didn't know. Cause like I said, I asked Zach Taylor about it as soon as it happened, but then they put it up there. It's like, Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot the, 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 the playoff rules. Now both mm-hmm. teams get a possession regardless. So, you know, even as someone that covers a lead and, and has asked questions about this exact rule, I still had forgotten it. Um, I, I don't know if I was Kyle, what I would have done. It's if it's a shootout, then obviously you want to go second. Cause you figure it's going to be touchdown, touchdown, what there's only two touchdowns in that whole game right or three 
there were there were not a lot of touchdowns until we got to overtime. So maybe it makes sense to to play to to get the ball and just try to go force the hand. But I, I just I don't know what I would have done in that situation. And I think it's crazy to grill Kyle because it, it's it's one of those things where there's just no data to base it on. And, you know, yeah. if you win the game, you made the right call. If you lose the game, you made the wrong call. It's not you can't have it both ways. Um, I, I will go back to what we talked about at the championship games. And you know, I was defending Dan Campbell and everyone was grilling him. I didn't hear everyone grilling Kyle Shanahan when he went no. for it on fourth no. down, down for three, and they they end up scoring a touchdown and taking the lead. So Yeah, because uh, they made it. Right, exactly. <laughs> because there's no it, discussion it, of it. It's, yeah. it's about outcome. It's not about decisions. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, that's kind of the same way here where I, I don't think – I think it's a feel thing and and, yeah. and knowing your team and, and the variable that everybody forgets and that Kyle Shanahan has talked about is – Mahomes had just marched right down the field. Anyway, that their defense was tired, so yeah. that makes sense too. You got to take that into consideration. Um, but I do think it was a bad look for for his players to sound that confused. That that, that should have been yeah. addressed beforehand. Yeah, actually, I actually asked Kyle Shanahan after the game if the defense being tired had factored into his decision, and right after the game, he said no. But mm. since but since then, I, I, I've seen John Lynch and Shanahan kind of admit that it did play into the role. So maybe he didn't want to say that. He just <laughs> didn't want to say that at the time. Or yeah, I don't know what it is. But yeah, I think like the fact that we're even all having this discussion kind of proves that the NFL has hit on like the perfect solution for a playoff overtime, right? Because mm-hmm. like if we're even having this discussion and everyone's kind of viewing it as 50-50, they probably hit on a good idea here, right? It's mm-hmm. it's giving you the choice. And I think it's very, very close. Like fifty basically 5149 what I would have done but I think I would have absolutely kicked off especially when you're facing someone like Patrick Mahomes um I just I don't think you want to give Patrick Mahomes a target if you're letting Patrick Mahomes go out there and say you need one drive to win the Super Bowl I think he's going to go down and score I and that's what happened I just against other quarterbacks I could see wanting to go out there and get points on the board and then think you can hold them but against Patrick Mahomes I would just never do that and then what you're talking about is right that it's a bad look even if you know a defensive player isn't going to be like oh i'm going to go play harder now because i know the overtime rules but i think you still want to be made aware of this and it's not great when you know chris jones is saying that andy Reid has talked to to the chiefs players about these new rules as far back as training camp and has drilled down exactly on what they're going to do and that we are going to be going for two if you know so one of these teams had a plan and one of these teams, it seems like didn't have much of a plan. And you don't necessarily think a Super Bowl is going to come down to an overtime decision and this stuff. But, you know, you've gone through this whole season preparing for like every little outcome. You would think that that would come up, um, you know, and there was some other stuff in this game, too. I, I, I know I always harp on like Kyle Shanahan's game management, but at the end of the half, at the end of the first half, yeah, they just they just let the Chiefs like run the clock all the way down before they kicked a field goal. They had all, basically all their timeouts. They could have gotten another chance at the end of half to to at least get a field goal yeah. with Jake Moody, who's proven he can hit these long kicks. Like, I thought that was ridiculous. It, there's, I, I just I just don't understand these head coaches who spend every waking moment going over every little detail, and then when it comes to these big in game situations that really do kind of swing the whim probability meter. It's like they're, they they've put no thought into it whatsoever, and it's it's crazy to me. I can't, I can't imagine that. I think Kyle Shanahan's number one goal this offseason is hire a game management consultant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is what he has to do. Um, 
I, I just I didn't understand that at all. So I think what happened there was had that been goal to go situation, I think they would have used their timeouts. But what if I remember, right, Kansas City could have got a first down at like the two yard line. They so could then, have, yeah. Then you're you're helping them extend their drive if they get that. So maybe that played into it a little bit. But you're right. I I remember um, Zach Taylor did that in his very first game as coach in Seattle, where the Seahawks had the ball and they were going in, and he's calling timeouts. And it's like you understood why he was doing it. It was like, we've never seen this before. This is not the way Marvin operated. And it's, it's just kind of the way the game has gone now is where teams are like the 13 seconds with the chiefs and bills. Everybody's like, yeah, if we can yeah. leave ourselves some sort of time on the clock. Maybe we can do something. Um, the, and, and going back to the kickoff or receive debate, mm-hmm. that the one other thing that I think you make life easy on your easier on yourself. If you go second, because if you go first, like, Kyle had to face it. They, the third down's incomplete. Do you kick the field goal or do you yeah. go for the touchdown? If, if the other team goes first and they score a touchdown, you know you're going for it on fourth down every single time. You have to. So it, it takes it takes that element out of it as well, where you just you've got four yeah. four plays to get a first down every time you move the chains. I mean, the Chiefs had the fourth and one. What, if if mm-hmm. they had gone first, what would they have done? Are they going to go for it on a fourth and one from their own? 30 yard line and just give right. them a free field goal to win the game. No, I think they would have probably punted. So I think that's an mm-hmm. excellent point too. You're changing the dynamics of, of when and how to go for it in these situations. Like that, that's an excellent point. Um, but at the end of the day, the chiefs win their third Super Bowl in five years. It's, you know, a dynasty, a mini dynasty, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's an amazing accomplishment. And until further notice, they are the team to knock off in the entire, entire Super Bowl. There's no doubt about that. Jay, last thing we're going to talk about before we wrap up is our is our bets. Let's just quickly go over our bets from last week. Our our final bets, I guess, of 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 for the for actual game action. We'll come up with some creative bets as the offseason goes along to keep up our betting. But you want to quickly recap our our bets for the Super Bowl. So I was at minus 14 units and you were at minus 20 units going into the Super Bowl. It came down to overtime just like the Super Bowl. <laughs> That I had that the team that won the coin toss will not win the game. If San Francisco wins that game, I go three and two in the Super Bowl. You go three and two in the Super Bowl, and I win the season series. The Chiefs won. I lost that bet, so I went two and three. You went three and two. I finished minus twenty four. You finished minus ten. You win the season championship. So wow. Well done. It came down. Oh, it was just like the Super Bowl. It came it. down to the very end. <laughs> I will say this is amazing. Okay, so you had you had Pacheco over 65 and a half rushing yards. He had 59. You came up yeah. just short there. You had Valdez Scantling over 19 and a half receiving yards. He had 20. Got it. You got it. <laughs> a half yard. Otherwise, I win. Not bitter at all. Uh, you had Kansas City first to score. That didn't hit. Um, you, you took – wait a minute. Yes, you took the under. 47 and a half. It was 47, another half point that you won it by. And then I guess I I didn't look. You took Chiefs money line, so that would pay more than even money. So you actually won by even more than I said. But you you won three. You lost two. Um, In addition to the coin toss wins the game, I lost that. I had Debo over 78 and a half scrimmage yards. Didn't get that. The one I thought was a lock. TD Jersey totals over 121 and a half. It was only 61. It was all these Christian McCaffrey at 23 was the highest scoring touchdown guy. So, and there weren't a lot of touchdowns. Anyhow, um, the ones I won Mahomes over one half interception and uh, under total points in the first quarter, seven and a half. I, I wrote an article about 
record Super Bowl records I expected to be broken in this one. And I said longest field goal in Super Bowl history. Mm-hmm. The over under was 46 and a half. The longest field was 57. <laughs> that, they, they did, they got the record got set twice in that game. Yeah, it broke it twice. Um, yeah. I should have, I should have picked that one instead of the stupid coin toss one, but I didn't and I lost. So, congratulations to you on winning the season series. It, it, it's a game of inches. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't believe it. I don't feel like I've earned it, but, but I will take it. If the numbers say I won, I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> that's all I can say. Uh, yeah, so that, that's that's it for today's episode. Uh, again, thanks to everyone for following along all season. It's been a great season. I, I can't believe that the games are finally over. It seems like just the other day, Jay, that we were talking about the preseason and Trevor Simeon versus Jake Browning back in, <laughs> in preseason games. I, I can't believe we're actually here to the end of the season, but we're not going anywhere. We've got the combine coming right up and the franchise tag deadline and free agency and the draft and all the good offseason stuff. So we will be here every single week talking Bengals for you make sure you give us a a like a rating a review a subscribe all the good stuff and we will talk to you next week